We're now into the second day of mourning here in the Netherlands for Peter de Vries, the investigative crime journalist. We are appalled by the apparently arbitrary killing of nine activists in simultaneous... Tonight, more bloodshed in Mexico. Another journalist killed this week in the country. Five he was known for fighting for the little guys, for trying to deny corruption. From the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime, this is the Repo Effect. This is The Ripple Effect, and I'm your host, Ana Paula Oliveira. In many parts of the world, assassinations have become a daily occurrence. In this podcast, we bear witness to the victims of organized crime by looking at why certain individuals are at risk of being murdered and what can be done to prevent it. In this episode, we look at how civil society can mobilize itself to fight against impunity and reduce harm to journalists and other civil society actors. My mother described herself as a political commentator, as a columnist. Andrew Carvona Galizia is co-founder of the Daphne Caruana Galizia Foundation and son of journalist Daphne Caruana Galizia. She led the work in Malta on the Panama Papers. So she was the first journalist to discover that two members of the Maltese government owned Panamanian companies that were sheltered by, by trusts in New Zealand at a time when the government itself was, was on a mass privatization drive, including the privatization of multi-citizenship and the privatization of healthcare and, and energy generation in Malta. Um, so obviously she suspected that, that these two members of government had created these sort of general purpose money laundering structures to funnel off um, to funnel off kickbacks from all these privatization projects and this is the story she worked on um, in the last year of her life there were several angles but the characters always remained the same it was always the, the energy minister at the time the prime minister's chief of staff and the prime minister himself and then a few other characters coming in and out of the picture In, in October 2017, so about a year and a half after she first published her, her Panama Papers stories, she was murdered in a, in a remotely detonated car bomb attack. And my, my family and I obviously suspected straight away that, that this was linked to her Panama Papers stories. But there were so many, I mean, one of the staggering things about her investigations is that the network of criminals was so large. There were so many people involved, so many names, so many different pieces, and they all somehow protected each other. Police of Malta investigating the murder of journalist Daphne Caruana Galicia have announced the release of the Prime Minister's closest aide. The journalist was killed in a car bomb attack in October. Galicia ran a popular blog in which She investigated high-level corruption cases. The assassination of Daphne Caruana Galizia made headlines around the world. It raised questions of a system of collusion between politicians and organized crime. Many in public office resigned, and the criminal trial is still taking place five years later. In 2021, a landmark public inquiry found that the state of Malta has to shoulder responsibility for this assassination because it created an atmosphere of fear and impunity. You may remember in the last episode where we discussed slaps, which are basically a way of powerful individuals to use the law courts to stifle investigations and the freedom of press. Daphne was facing several lawsuits and other threats. If there were more safeguards and protective measures in place, 
would definitely have faced less criticism and danger? Tackling impunity is a fundamental step in responding to assassinations. Impunity can be described as the exemption of freedom from punishment, harm or loss. Impunity rates for the murders of journalists is at 87% worldwide. In the previous episode, we heard from Guilherme Canelo Godoy, the head of the Global Unity of Freedom of Expression and the Safety of Journalists at the UNESCO. He explains how UNESCO is approaching impunity. We realized that in terms of the impunity issues, the judicial operators, judges, prosecutors, they are key in this equation. So UNESCO has launched uh, with several partners a few years ago what we call the Judges Initiative. Uh, and we have already reached uh, and trained more than 17,000 judges, prosecutors and other judicial operators in 60 countries. This is, this is having an impact. Uh, there are very interesting and positive recent decisions in terms of uh, fighting impunity in different courts in different countries. And this uh, hopefully will become a more uh, present trend for the, for the upcoming years. We are also supporting several uh, member states with the creation of national mechanisms of protection of journalists. And this is being uh, really helpful in many cases uh, to enhance the policies on prevention, protection and prosecuting the crimes. It's also important to involve the, the judicial players themselves. So uh, we have been uh, noticing that this work of uh, actually improving and enhancing our dialogue with the courts, with the regional human rights courts, is also uh, having interesting results. For instance, just in the last couple of, couple of years, the Inter-American Court of Human Rights have took very interesting decisions uh, in terms of fighting impunity unity uh, in, in, in the cases related to killings of journalists in the region. One is uh, the famous case of Vladimir Herzog in Brazil, and the other one is uh, Nelson Carvajal and Carvajal in, in Colombia. And the Inter-American Court has said that uh, the states, they have the obligation to investigate those crimes. Uh, and so this is very interesting as a trickle-down effect in terms of applying this international jurisprudence in, in national ground. So this, this work with uh, judges and prosecutors, even to establish specific protocols to investigate those crimes, uh, is really paramount to, to change the situation. So what else can civil society do to tackle these high impunity rates? in authority to just acknowledge what had happened and to reassure us that our worst fears were unfounded, that the atrocity wasn't committed by one of us, by anyone who we elected to power, by anyone who Andrew's story demonstrates the power of families, activists, and community groups when they work together to campaign against impunity. When a journalist is murdered, it's often because the judicial authorities fail to play their role. So imagine you're the family member of a victim of an assassination, an activist or a journalist who's been assassinated. 
there's no one to turn to. You know, you can safely assume that your family member was assassinated because the police stopped short, because the law enforcement authorities fell short of conducting a proper investigation against the people who murdered your family member. You know that your your family member in particular was targeted because the rest of the press was either weak, complicit, looking the other way. So there are very few people you can trust in a situation like this. And you can either choose to stay silent, hoping that eventually things will change, that there'll be a sort of historical cycle and the bad guys will will eventually lose. Or you could try to start doing things your, yourselves. And so we we spoke after my mother was assassinated. We spoke to a few people, including Pauline from Reporters Without Borders, but there were many others as well. And slowly we we realized what we needed to do. We needed to create enough pressure on the government at the time, on the law enforcement authorities, for them to to realize that it was scarier for them, more dangerous for their own survival if they ignored us, if they ignored the public pressure and turned on their criminal backers. And eventually that's what happened. And now we know through a public inquiry that we managed to get on the way that all the sort of cowardly uh, tactics being employed by the police, by the attorney general, for example, were really happening. So we had a situation where the attorney general was advising the police not to investigate certain individuals, for example. So all of this was happening in the months leading up to my mother's murder and and probably continued even afterwards. Because unless there's enough public pressure, the comfortable way out for these people who are who are duty bound to enforce the country's laws is to simply do nothing or do do the bare minimal, which is to simply say investigations are ongoing. This is a complex case. And that has been the stock answer each time in my mother's case until there was a real breakthrough. And in each time in all previous assassinations in Malta. And I'm sure it's the stock answer used by law enforcement officials in, in any number of corrupt countries around the world. Guilherme echoes the importance of civil society getting involved in campaigning for justice and raising awareness, keeping the dialogue open between citizens and public institutions. Well, one, we need the buying of the society in general. So it's very important to keep this dialogue with the society that when a journalist is killed, uh, let's say by a drug lord in Ciudad Juarez in Mexico, obviously uh, there is the, the strong ultimate impact to that family, to that journalist. But it's also that entire community that's being penalized uh, by this crime against freedom of expression, against press freedom. This, it's, this kind of crimes are creating silent zones in different areas of the world. So the society also should be mobilized uh, to demand the end of impunity and to demand the enhancement of policies uh, towards uh, the safety of journalism. Things only really changed in Malta because of this public pressure and because there were also regional and international organizations watching Malta very closely. Malta is a country that's very vulnerable to international pressure. It has no natural resources. Its economy is completely open. It depends on its reputation, its financial center, and so on. Obviously, in countries like Russia and Azerbaijan, international pressure is less effective. 
but it still helps. At the very least, it gives comfort to family members of victims. It gives them the courage to continue speaking out. It gives comfort to the journalists who continue doing their work, even though they've seen several of their colleagues already murdered. So it always helps in one way or, or another. It's never going to be the one thing that will end impunity, but it's essential to support domestic efforts. Um, if there are no domestic efforts, then it's going to be very difficult for anyone to do anything to help. Um, but one, one important thing to say is that, as Guillermo said, there are big differences between countries. I mean, my my sense from observing other cases is that it's it's often in in countries where you have some press freedom um some level of transparency some level of civic activism where journalists are murdered in completely to totalitarian countries governments do not need to have journalists murdered simply because journalists are already self-censoring um so that's why in europe for example the murders were in countries like malta slovakia um most threats seem to be in in the Western Balkans. Um, and in these countries, you realize that often if efforts focus on increasing press freedom, you're, you're perversely putting journalists in more danger because you're not making similar efforts in other areas, like ensuring there's proper prosecution of the crimes that journalists are investigating and ensuring that there's proper protection for journalists. My mother never self-censored. She faced she faced so many threats throughout her entire career, but she never, ever self-censored. I said because the world is full of irrational, abusive laws, and if everybody obeyed them, they would never get changed. And the point I made to them is that... If efforts had been made on other pillars, her protection, for example, prosecution of the people she investigated, then it's clear to me that she would still be alive. There is still a long way to go to achieve justice for Daphne Caruana Galicia and the many other murder journalists around the world. The responsibility of providing justice ultimately lies with the state, but as we've learned in this episode, civil society can play an important role in demanding public accountability and fighting against impunity. This has been The Ripple Effect. Join us next time as we look at the assassinations of human rights defenders. If you enjoyed the ripple effect, please share and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.